0: It's hard to believe we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011.
1: You're telling me. Producing this show week after week is so much fun, but it does require a lot of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered.
0: Your purchase is made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions.
1: We covered a lot of great movies that were adapted from other material in season 10.
0: Our originals page at slash originals is where listeners can purchase the source material behind all our adapted film discussions. It helps support the show at no extra cost when you buy through our links.
1: In our foreign language best picture nominees series, we looked at several adaptations including Z, The Postman Il Postino, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, and Letters from Iwo Jima.
0: We hit the high seas with In the Heart of the Sea from Nathaniel Philbrick's nonfiction book for our Aquatic Killers series. Eh, Definitely a weaker entry in that series. I bet the book is better. Oh, me too. Remember, bonus episodes featured adaptations like Gone Girl, The Russia House, Ivanhoe, The Hot Rock, The Big Heat, and Naked Lunch?
1: Oliver Stone brought not just original stories, but also adaptations like Conan the Barbarian, Scarface, Year of the Dragon, 8 Million Ways to Die, Talk Radio, and Born on the 4th of July.
0: Mary Heron's disturbingly insightful American Psycho was adapted from the Brett Easton Ellis book.
1: You like Huey Lewis and the News? Oh my god, it even has a watermark! And of course, more Stephen King with The Mist, The Green Mile, and The Shawshank Redemption for our King a la Darabont series.
0: Find links to all of these books and more adapted films on our Originals page. That's thenextreel.com slash originals every purchase
1: supports our show get the full list of books that we've talked about and start your next read today at thenextreelcom slash originals i'm pete Wright and i'm andy nelson
0: welcome to the next reel when the movie ends our conversation begins underworld awakening is over cue the nudity fog it's
1: not a human being it's a blight of nature I was held captive for 12 years Subject to escaped with someone in the
0: building Now, humans hunt the lichens and vampires This is a new war
1: I used to hear stories of the death leaders That they were a thing of the past Never to return
0: I don't recognize
1: this world We've lived safely for years, and now you've brought humans into
0: this covenant. We stand, and we fight. Fighter! Something else escaped.
1: Whatever it is, it's more powerful than any of us.
0: Uh, The PVC is still here. But most importantly, we also have a replacement covering for the PVC. If you wanted to learn, let's say you're out there in movie land, and you want to learn about all the other things that you can do to cover your body when you're not wearing your PVC, where would you go?
1: I'm really glad you asked, Pete. It's very important. Uh, This is a question that I think comes up in a lot of people's minds the best place they can go is to join the next reels uh, community over on discord where they can get in on the conversations and learn all about replacements for pvc outfits you can head over to the nextreel.com/ membership and you can learn all about it
0: All right, Andy, we're here. We've made it to movie four. Now, you—this is the first one in the series that you had not seen at all, correct? Second or no, it's one. the second had, one you yeah, hadn't seen. Right. All right, so you missed that you had missed the complete flashback episode that we just had. undertook yes. in uh, Rise of the Lycans. and now we're back with Awakening. And I was excited for you to watch this movie because we have. Uh, we have a pattern, right? This is a new war. We had the thousands of years' flashback, and now we come back to the present and the universe is completely reset it 's a whole new thing. The lichens and the vampires are out in the open. We have a uh, 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 we have a father son lichen duo that 's always a win in disney movies let 's see if it works here <laughs> uh what do you what do you think? How did this movie hit you?
1: Well, the, it's interesting to kind of um, point that out. That you know, this is we're we're taking a shift in the way that the this universe is structured, and we have humans now in the know. It felt very much like. Well, they were trying to kind of do a reset and trying to come up with something new and unique that that could really shake things up. And I appreciate that they did. They tried doing that. You know, I think that that can lend itself to some interesting storytelling. I do feel it ends up feeling a little bit like X-Men, like they were pulling a lot from kind of that X-Men narrative about, oh, there's something different out there. We have to stop it. um, Speaking from the human perspective. And so I, I think that they really kind of there was a a lot of that I felt that they really were kind of pushing into this particular story and also I felt that they missed the opportunity of bringing Ethan Hawk in for all of the parts where they were having the purge because I really felt like (laughs) having him and possibly his family fending off vampires and werewolves in their house really would have been a perfect way to kind of start (laughs) the story you were 100%
0: (laughs) (laughs) right this is a huge missed opportunity, especially in universe, 2012. Man. Yeah, right. Let's yeah. Underworldia meets Purge. Uh,
1: <laughs> I totally get it. Um, it, but but I mean, just I, I do think that it's it's. I mean, without talking about the quality of the film, I do appreciate that <laughs> they were trying to find a way to kind of say, okay, what can we do that shakes things up.
0: Yes, I agree, and it is noted that you, I think, are stalling on talking about the quality of the film. (laughs) Okay, all right, that that's fair. What do you what do you think about the uh, the awakening? Who is awakening? (laughs) Because we talked about this with evolution, we have no idea who the hell evolved, and now we're awakening, and there is some question: who awakens, who doesn't awaken? Who are we talking about?
1: Well, it wasn't um, Robert De Niro. (laughs) No, <laughs> no. Robin Williams was nowhere. Right. I, I mean, I, I mean, obviously it's Celine, and and I guess to a certain extent Michael, right? Because they were literally asleep. Because literally, they yeah. are. They have a twelve-year slumber. Right. Not the okay. <laughs> but we also have the lichens, which
0: have been apparently dogged into the dark. And they are coming back. And not only are they coming back, Andy, one of them's huge.
1: Well, okay, but here's the thing. It's been twelve years since this purge started. And you know, they've been trying to humans, once they've discovered that vampires and werewolves are out there, they have adapted their own <laughs> their own technologies using daylight and I guess garlic spray. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what. Um to, to kind of you know find out who is who and then they can just kill them. And so there so there are very few werewolves and vampires left in the world to the point where the humans are kind of at a point where they think that they've killed most of them. If anything, it's a pretty minor threat at this point. I mean, they're still watching for signs, but it's, you know, they're not at the purge levels anymore. Mm -hmm. So vampires and werewolves, certainly there is an awakening of those two groups um, in the course of the film. So I think that's actually an interesting point to bring up. Um, I I mean, I think there is kind of the more literal one with Celine actually waking up from her frozen slumber where she's been frozen for 12 years.
0: And her spawn right and her daughter and eventually michael right everybody is asleep and awakening both culturally and like this is uh, this is our first introduction to the fact that the people of the planet of underworldia actually now know that all these things exist that's kind of an awakening there is so much awakening in fact that you wonder if anyone will ever sleep again <laughs> That's very true. So much awakening. All right. So, much. so we start with the flashback again. The flashback to get us caught up. Is that mechanic Still working for you in number four. My note said, why the hell are we watching these movies back-to-back? Because I think it's super obnoxious and getting really (laughs) annoying hearing Selene's voice at the beginning telling us what happened for the last three movies. I'm done.
1: It is. It is. And I get it when it's a three-year gap, but you just don't need it. It's just especially because we're, you know, at least the the very first two films were just on screen text that just kind of gave you a write up, which, you know, is less obnoxious to me, It's mm-hmm. just kind of a stage setter. In this particular case, we're getting flashbacks of scenes from the previous movies, and we're getting all sorts of stuff that it's just like, okay, I, I I've just watched these movies. And even if I had waited three years, I just feel like you just don't need that. I feel like other filmmakers have proven the point that you just don't need to lay all that on so thick to remind everybody.
0: Well, because I mean, it's not even just a short thing, right? It's like the clips from past movies from, you know, the hero shots of the werewolves and the hero shots of the the vampires, and the Celine fighting shots, and the Celine slamming the lingerie-clad vampire ladies in the sewer, and the—I mean, it's so many of those kinds of clips that I think are—they're just really tiresome. So I, I don't think the films need that mechanic, and yet it leans so heavily on that
1: mechanic in this movie. It does, and it's, uh, it's kind of frustrating, and it's, you know— it's. It, I, I just feel like we're past the point where they need to do that. I also feel that this is an interesting direction to take when they had this, as we talked about in the previous um, film, previous several conversations, actually, about how they had kind of laid out this trilogy idea. And the third film would be this flashback film to the early days of the Lycan uh, vampire war. And here we are in this place after the third film, which was largely a Lycan positive film. We like the Lycans now. They have been um, slaves to the vampires and they have this rise up. And so I felt like this was a strange shift to after that film to go back to a place where oh yeah lichens are bad again
0: right right you remember remember how you need to be emotionally drawn to the lichens now they're just monstrous automatons again now they're just exactly. the things that run on the walls I think they're that's... either
1: rats in the streets yeah, <laughs> or right or evil sight right right but we
0: also have the standout extra large lichen. We have the, it's like the superhero of all lichens, and he's twice the size of the lichens. He gets injections of special in, lichen enlarging gel in his eyeball. <laughs> Did not care for that. Uh, I was wondering he,
1: how you would take that.
0: And he looks like the lead singer to Coldplay.
1: <laughs> it, you know, yeah, I, I struggled with the fact that we had a, a person who just would turn into a giant giant lichen like hulk like literally like he was huge and she said you know twice as big and i was like i feel like he's like five times as big i mean he was yeah very very massive yeah yeah and it just uh i mean okay sure it's scientists who are working on kind of evolving the lichen science so that they can find uh, all these great ways to improve, and as we learn, they're trying to use Celine and Michael's daughter Eve use her genes to further evolve them, so they don't have a, a, a intolerance to silver and uh, stuff like that. And I, I don't know. I just felt like it was a real a real stretch with some of these things that uh, I, I don't know. I just, I struggled with the directions they were going.
0: So did you, did you find that you, you liked it before we get into a little bit more detail? Did you find <laughs> you in any way that you liked the movie?
1: I, I had fun with this one. Yes, yeah. I did have fun with it. I, I had heard, actually, that this one really was kind of a great reset to the franchise and it really sets things back on track. I don't know if I really agree with that. I was like, I think I have more questions now after watching this film than I had had before, and I struggled with that, but I still had fun with it, more fun than I had with the third film.
0: All right. So in in terms of setting the time, the, the movie takes place after our blast back extravaganza the movie takes starts 9 days after the reveal of the vampire virus that's what it says the non-human species in the 9 days since the first discovery of the non-human species right that sets our mm-hmm. time right um Celine has been asleep for 12 years so they've managed to keep managed to keep it all secret for 12 years or 11 years minus 12 years minus 9 days and now there's some reveal happens and The world rallies against the vampires so fast, so fast. Do you agree? Like they marshal mass response over the course of nine days, which I think is more important right now because we're in the (laughs) middle of the reveal of a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And we're not doing it right. And so I worry that not enough people have seen Underworld Awakening who are in authority to do
1: something about the response to a pandemic. Well, I'll tell you the difference, though, Pete. What is the difference? You can't shoot a gun at coronavirus. That's That's the difference. But you can shine light on it, Andy. People want guns <laughs> in their hands. You can't... <laughs> The problem is, yeah, people people need guns because, you know, as she says, human beings no longer kill each other. We are the enemy they've been waiting for. And so, yeah, coronavirus is just isn't the enemy we've been waiting for. It's uh, just not as fun to shoot a, shoot guns at it. You're right.
0: You're right. I missed that whole, I missed the whole point.
1: Before we jump into kind of the more specifics of this film, I just, I feel like we should bring up that there is an animated setup for this film. Oh, good timing, yeah. It's called Underworld Endless War, and it was a three-parter, each one about five minutes. It came out... When the initial, I think it was the Blu-ray that with the first three films, it was a special feature on that. And it was three anime stories, part one, part two, and part three, about Celine over time as she is battling this this uh, uh, family, these three Lycan brothers, and kind of battling one in each particular story. And they take place in 1890, 1967, and 2012. And it is kind of like you you see the setup of of things as the vampires and lichens are kind of moving through time, always in Paris in this particular film, which is a good clue for us. Underworldia, we know, has Paris in it. They have a Paris too. Under an important note. Yes. Yeah. And um, they also were very early technology adopters. Her guns in eighteen ninety felt like <laughs> really modern guns. Well, and the as lichens we know, had a daylight grenade right. grenade in nineteen sixty-seven.
0: Absolutely. We learned that everything we have, everything that we've built our technology infrastructure comes from vampires and lichens right now. And I don't I think they're the the unheralded heroes. Of information technology and uh, military
1: technology, truly. You know, the problem, though, Pete, is that the history books aren't written by the vampires and lichens. That's why.
0: history books are written by the winners, Andy. That's
1: right. Not losers. (laughs) Not these loser
0: vampires and werewolves. We we clearly decimated them. At some point, (laughs) we decimated them. They are sleeping.
1: Yes. All right, but it is important because the last story, which is in 2012, happens in this period of the purge. Right now, humans know what's going on. So, what do you think? Did you did you learn something about this
0: about the thing that you didn't know?
1: Was this was it useful? Addenda? No, but I mean, if anything, it sets up. Okay, so we know the first two films essentially take place back to back. So, essentially, 2003. Right. Right. So. I guess I'd say between 2003 and 2012, when that third, or when that's kind of the third of the anime films takes place, that's the period somewhere in there. And and I'm assuming it's pretty close to 2012. That's, no, it can't be because well, I guess it can be. Um, we just, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I know. <laughs> what have you learned from it? <laughs> All I know is that if... If all of that happens, like if the beginning of this film when humans figure out what's going on happens as close to that story as everything else, I mean, there are a few things. Either she and Michael have been on the run and have been leading their own new, newly evolved lives since 2003, and now it's 2012 and the purge is happening. Um, because if there is this 12-year period where they're frozen, this whole film is taking place maybe 2015? If if they're still alive in twenty twelve, then now we're looking at closer to like twenty twenty four. That the when when the bulk of this film is taking place. Oh geez. You're right. Nope. They've tied it in knots again. <laughs> The animated film threw me because I thought I had everything figured out where it was all taking place in 2015, like the bulk of this film. But now I guess we're looking at 2024. So this because is a future they've been, film. Because they've been asleep and they're still, they've she's still frozen for 12 years. They've been frozen for 12 years. And we know she was at least not frozen in 2012, according to, according to the animated film. Okay,
0: you're right. Yep, 2024. All right, so maybe it's your future guns that we haven't earned yet. <laughs>
1: That's what it is, but you and know what it makes they... sense then for the police because now we're just looking at the metro, metro police, which is mm-hmm. the most generic police we could possibly have. So I guess that yeah. makes sense that Underworldia would have such police, and
0: Underparisia has metro police. Yes, they're they just do. all they do is work on the subway. <laughs> We also have in this animated thing, I mean, they they pulled in all of the trophy tropes, especially the visual and stunt tropes, which we have again in the film. We have the spinny flying vampire stars yes. uh, flying at our faces multiple times. Uh, we, we get those, which is always fun. Uh, we have the winged victory jumping pose that she does, her kind of hero pose. And she does it a number of times in the first five minutes of the movie. Uh, she really likes it. Mm-hmm. Plus they include it in the flashback. So she's always got her arms out and one knee up and, and it's kind of ridiculous in one place. I don't even believe Celine could jump off the building like she does and turn quickly as quickly as she does in midair and hang on to the flagpole or whatever she's <laughs> hanging on to to pull the guy off. But I will say there are some fun fight sequences. I think they once again, this movie is adept at answering the question. You know, what would be cool without answering the question. But really, though, and I think <laughs> that is uh, that is a, a a a true statement about the entire universe of Underworld. Yeah. it just there's stuff in here that looks cool. If you truck with the universe, and as we move on, the more reviews I'm I'm reading about people who are are really getting tired of Underworld is. They're particularly tired of even as they've reset the narrative in this movie, they're tired of the look and the 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 production design, the elements of the film that that make up kind of what it is. They land so hard movie after movie on uh, looking the same. That it, it's just fatiguing now here at, you know, everything is so blue, like there just is like, like there is too much allegiance to what they think an underworld movie has to look like. It is now suffering from a dearth of creativity in moving the narrative forward. What do you think about that?
1: I think that exactly sums it up. I think that there is a very strong element in here where you can tell they are, as I said, they're trying to come up with interesting story angles to advance the story. Yes. I definitely appreciate that. But yes, that is a big part of the problem is it just feels like they've settled so heavily on kind of the vision of this world that they haven't found a way to kind of evolve that. And it just feels like we're we're just in the same thing over and over and over again. What can we do to get out of this? And it's... Uh, Especially now that Celine's fine in the sunlight, Yeah,
0: fine in the sunlight, and so is her buddy David, because of the whole heart thing. Everybody, but wait, I, I maybe may have stepped on myself because I think I may be referring to the, the last movie. Did I just refer to the last movie?
1: Yeah, I was trying to think of David. I'm like, I'm not sure. I, I, well, no, he, she pumps his heart here. Okay, good. because and this but is, I, don't, I don't think that has even... anything to do with seeing the sunlight. Unless I'm well, missing something. No,
0: that, have you watched the last movie yet? I haven't. Okay, no. then I've stepped on the last movie. I'm sorry, Andy. Okay, now you know. Jeez. Now you know. Everybody's trucking in the sunlight in the last movie. It's <laughs> just a vampires. Yeah, yeah. No, never mind. Okay, because it, but, but, go
1: ahead. Okay, go ahead. Finish your point.
0: Finish. No, there's no. Clearly, there was no point because it's a point for blood wars, and I can't talk about it. Mm. Oh, my whole point is I get tripped up just now talking about. Uh, spoilers for the movie that you haven't seen yet because they're the same movie. (laughs) That's a real problem right now.
1: Oh... Yeah, it's and it 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 starts hitting this frustrate this point of frustration where it's trying to figure out like what what story are we looking at here because it still is a vampire lichen war here. It's just the yeah. lichens are now super scientists figuring out how they can evolve so their smart. lichen brethren, and you have the vampires living in some super elaborate secret cave, right at some you know hydroelectric dam or something. What? I don't know. <laughs> of course, it, it's a hydroelectric dam. What are they trying to, what are the
0: lichens, to your understanding, what are the lichens trying to evolve? What are they trying to do?
1: Well, I I mean, obviously they have because they have Super Son. You -hmm. know, he's this giant, giant werewolf. And so my understanding is Stephen Ray's character is, I don't know why it's taken 12 years, but he's trying to use the DNA from subjects zero, one, and two, which is Celine, Michael, and their daughter Eve trying to well one build a tolerance to silver like so that they they can't be killed by silver anymore and trying to um improve their healing so that they heal really fast which they kind of already did Mm -hmm. um but i guess even faster and their size trying to improve their size so things like that that you know it's like uh but also i'm not completely sure I understand exactly what the motivations are at the end because correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't it sound like they were planning on mating the uh the son with the daughter? Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's sure what it sounded like to me, of, Andy. Kind of gross. What are out? they trying yeah. to
0: create here when mating Gigantor the werewolf with the fourteen year old or thirteen or twelve year old? Who yeah, who is um, is already a hybrid offspring? She's a hybrid.
1: Well, so she's we're hybrid, a
0: hybrid, a tri, right? a, tri- a tribrid,
1: she, a tribrid. Because he's he's a vampire werewolf blend, she's a vampire immortal blend, and so it's a quadbrid. What's a a tribrid? Well, because a vampire, vampire counts only one. Right? It like is a tribrid. It, just a it's little, a tribrid. Yeah. And human, if that counts, but I don't. All right. I feel like that just doesn't even count anymore when you get to this point.
0: It does not. It does not. No. It is very confusing. I I don't know what. It, and here's the problem that I have with this because the people who wrote this thing, I felt like had such opportunity, and they're smart people. I am a fan of J. Michael Straczynski. I'm a fan of his work. I was a big fan of Babylon 5. I think he's great at world-building in uh, in fantasy worlds. And what happened? <laughs> Why was he not given more control? This was another one that has a lot of people. Uh, Len Weisman has a writing credit on here. Uh, John Clavin and uh, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, Allison Burnett, uh, with a story by Len Weissman and John Clavin. I It's just a lot of, and, and of course, characters, Danny McBride, it's a lot of people in the reset, and I feel like there is some DNA, some Straczynski DNA in here, particularly the hyper militarization, uh, amping up the militarization and the organization and the responses to the the vampire outbreak, and and I I feel like they didn't, they just weren't able to free themselves of the yoke of the three movies that came before in order to actually deliver something original and new that feels as good as the opportunity that they had before them.
1: It's a it's a very confusing confused, uh, bloated story that also feels like it's achieving nothing. <laughs> That's yeah. a little frustrating. And I'm not sure, I, I I don't think I've seen anything else by the directing pair, Mons, Mons Marland and Bjorn Stein, a pair of Swedish directors. Um, I know that they have done some other things that I just haven't seen. A lot of TV work, but I think in films, Storm... And, uh, that might've been the film, the only film before this one, um, shed no tears and swoon afterward and Mm -hmm. six souls. So yeah, I don't, I, I'm just not very familiar with their output. So I can't speak specifically to, um, you know, what they're bringing to the table, what we're Um, getting out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and unfortunately, this is one where I just I really couldn't find much in the way of backstory as far as how did this pair come in to this uh, to this franchise? I'm not I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. well, we should we should at least spend a little bit of time in Trope Corner. What what did they what did they add here to vampire and werewolf lore or do away with that that we that is of note?
1: Well, certainly it's a, uh, I guess it's a trope that vampires can move very quickly. Yes, it you is. Know, that's, that's, yes. And I don't know if it's because theoretically they're becoming a bat and moving somewhere and then popping out. <laughs> well, somewhere else. I'm not exactly sure I think in the world of tropes. I think it's because they actually remember there's
0: the vampire mass adjustment continuum. They can change their mass <laughs> at any time. And I think they become uh, balloons. They become or vapor or vapor, and they move very fast.
1: But, but that makes more sense. This that is another one. Sense. I'm
0: very excited for you to see how they evolve this particular power ability in the next movie. Oh, I'm looking Andy, forward to it. Are
1: you? In but for we do it. at least ha- at this one we do get to see kind of a Jedi run. You know, yes. I mean, Celine really goes fast as she's uh running around in this one, uh, running around in the lab.
0: Right. So, in the lab and in the there's a great hallway pass where she cuts all mm-hmm. their throats. I mean, there's there's yeah. some very cool stuff going on
1: here. Okay. There is. Definitely so. All definitely right. so. We also have a trope, which is definitely an old trope trick where... Um some like in this particular case it 's Celine, and she 's watching this scene where the police are investigating a possible lichen attack, and she 's tracking, trying to th- see if it 's Michael, and she 's looking, and we see the cop, and we kind of get in on his story, and then it 's almost like he feels like someone 's watching him, and he turns and looks. But no yeah. one's there. And then we cut back and we see that Celine has left her post. That is a trope that I feel like we have seen a million times in movies. The old, you know, is somebody watching you or not trope.
0: Right. Right over they're Just over my shoulder.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. Totally agree. There's there's also the secret of scientists hiding what they're doing from authorities.
0: Mm-hmm. And funded oh, no, by, no, by those same. We don't same... know what's
1: happening. Yeah. funded
0: by the same authorities in, in yeah. you know, the political machine and using their money for ill-gotten gains.
1: Okay. Right. Right. We also have the, 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 possibly one of the silliest tropes of where you start a car by just jamming a knife into it right. really hard into the ignition. <laughs>
0: Does that work? Uh, Would you, I'll tell clearly. you what, I'm going to wait. I need you to go try that on your car. Just a knife or a, a big flathead screwdriver. Just, just jam it as right hard in. as you can in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. I'll be right back. Wear rubber gloves. All right.
1: Yeah. Uh, We also have, I I feel like this is definitely a vampire and werewolf trope that we have seen quite a bit. When they die, they get converted back to human form. Yes. And so it's just a human body laying there after all is said and done.
0: Because you have to hide the evidence. Then it's just a murder. And now we have police and we have that whole police angle. We're going to talk about that in a minute.
1: Speaking of that particular trope. I, I guess I'm confused because we do see as Celine is exploring this world that she's in 12 years into the future, her future. She goes into a store and sees that they're selling lichen and werewolf teeth. Yes. Now, how do you get lichen and werewolf teeth if they turn back to human form? Do you, well, are do you pulling, they, them pulling, pulling them from a live lichen and a live werewolf?
0: from a live, yeah, lichen live bear werewolf. Bear? Yeah, wow. that's exactly what that's... you're doing. You're somehow tricking them. You're distracting <laughs> them long enough to get in there with pliers and hey, just
1: they need dentists pull too. Them out. Pete. It's
0: a dentist. It's a black market. There's a dentist in the black market who probably takes vampire or lichen teeth on trade for services rendered. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a yeah. crazy, crazy job. Do you hey, know what? Veterinarians.
0: A, this... It's actually veterinarians. Yeah,
1: <laughs> this is a veterinarian, right. <laughs> this is the question, though, that I have. Um, so we have, so Michael, he was converted, he was turned into a lichen in the first film. This is. And so then... we're talking about
0: Michael as portrayed by Scott Speedman
1: in the original Yes, movie. back in the very right. first film, Michael... He's turned into a lichen. He's in this movie as a prop. He he, and it's not even him. It's it's literal right. prop with his digital yep. face on it. Right. Um, Celine bites him. Yes. To to feed on not to feed on him but to, to feed him to feed him to help him become a uh, you know come back to life after the fight that he's dying yeah. from, and so he becomes a hybrid. So if so, in order to become a hybrid, you need to be bitten by a werewolf yeah or to feed on vampire blood if you're already a werewolf if you're no if you're anything like if to to turn someone into a vampire you
0: have to you have, you have to them i drink think your blood you, or... the way i understand i mean the lore as i understand it is you have to both be bitten by a vampire and feed on a vampire you have to have an exchange the, of something blood. like that yeah there's yeah, I remember
1: when Ryder very specifically drinking Gary Oldman's blood. Yes. To she take yeah. me away from all this death and yes. drinks his blood. So, okay. So now lichens are constantly biting and attacking vampires. Are they not worried about drinking that vampire blood and becoming hybrids themselves? Apparently they are not. Apparently, because science has
0: said it's okay if, if the <laughs> red shirt vampires or werewolves do it, but we have right. one gigantor. Uh, werewolf who were trying to inject it in his eyeballs. So don't worry about it. We're going to be fine, is pretty much what the universe
1: says. You're right. You are really, yeah. The nature of hybrid blood and how all this works is very very specific.
0: Ah, it's so frustrating I feel like they're they'd all be hybrids. They're all hybrid. That's the problem. Is that they're all hybrids and this is this is what this is evolution. This is right? I mean, this is this is should have been evolution because now that, it's just that, survival of we, we fittest. just miss it. it's yeah. It's like we're just everybody's co-mingling now and we're going to have one uh completely co-mingled race and because these transitions happen so fast, right, within minutes. You're a vampire hybrid your rib cage expands and now your new thing, there should be no pure bloods anymore. Is what yeah, I'm saying with all right. the fighting that they exactly. Do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So well, glad huh. we litigated that on the show.
1: Yeah. Right. Back to tropes. Um, of course, there's um, the whole secret entrance to More the lair <laughs> with some crazy. Yes. I don't know spiral stone staircase thing that drops into the ground, which
0: is awesome. The spiral stone staircase yeah, sure. thing in its ground is its own trope, and it's fantastic. Totally is,
1: yeah. Totally is, yeah. And they're still very sloppy eaters. That vampire trope has not gone away. That's true. Blood and they still all over try to per- face they're all over their faces. Yeah, and they still try to perpetuate the trope of the full moon. But I never really understand what for because I don't feel like they're doing anything with the full moon.
0: No. Ever. No. It's the it's the worst. Why do they do that? It's just a sh- It's just for show. It's just for show.
1: Yeah. And then I have a line, a line of dialogue that in and of itself is incredibly tropey. This is when Celine is working with the detective. He says, as they're trying to figure things out, he says this. And and it's just it's totally a trope. He says, this goes much higher. I believe all the way to the top.
0: Oh, all the the all the way to the top trope. All the way to the all top. All the trope. way to the top. It's yeah. fan, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. I <laughs> I look at Mike Lely, uh, who played the detective, who I like very much. Uh, he was in uh, Sleeper Cell, which was one of my very favorite shows. And uh, I ask myself constantly while watching this movie, "What are you doing here, Michael? What are
1: you doing?" <laughs> He's been in a lot of stuff, yeah. and I generally enjoy him uh, when I see him in other projects. This is one of those ones where I did say, yeah, why are you in this? Why there's not really this? much here for you. I mean, I guess, I guess in context of being in a vampire werewolf movie, sure. There's some joy in just being in a big effects extravaganza. And like I said, it still is a fun enough movie. Yeah. It's not yeah. not fun.
0: Right. No, it's it's, just, it hmm. is not not fun. Put it on the poster. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay we have uh, were there any other tropes uh, that you wanted to walk through after secret entrances are we okay
1: you know i feel like the only other one that is kind of a trope is that well at least this franchise has established it as a trope is the whips once again we have more whipping going on with these vampires uh taking the whips out to attack this time the, it's were- david david is the whipster He's a yeah. real, he's a real whipster. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and there are whipsters in the animated thing too. They, yes. they really they, love their whips. And I do. think we've established whips are
1: dumb. <laughs> and they, they just... Except, except the ones they used in the olden days. Like yeah. those were really effective whips because yeah. they the, had giant, they giant blade, blades, silver silver knife silver knife knives. giant Silver knives.
0: Yeah. No, they've totally forgotten the legacy of, of being a whipster.
1: Like if I'd you're love a one dealer. of them to say, "Why do we use these again?" <laughs> <I know. laughs> You know, we didn't bring it up. This is—I i don't know if we'd call it a trope, but it certainly was something established in the first film, which we loved a lot, is when Celine shoots the floor in a circle to fall through to the floor below. Yes. Here we have her doing something similar, and I was like, this was actually a really cool way to evolve that was when she was in the elevator that was falling, and she is shooting out in the elevator so that when it crashes that she actually um, survives. I was like, totally. that was actually— Pretty, or no, it's falling toward her. Falling t- right? toward she, her, and she shot so
0: it would come shooting. down over her. Yeah, so because she's shooting she's, the, because, the floor, because she yeah. increased her mass so that she could perforate <laughs> the floor above her. And when it hit her, yes. now a uh, uh, colossus of a body, uh, it punctures the floor out. It was so yeah. funny, too, because, let's see, I, I picked a movie this week on the sat mat that was Resident Evil Retribution 2012. Right. Same time. And if you look at the cover of Resident Evil Retribution*, Mila Jovovich standing on the cover wearing a full PVC bodysuit. Right. <laughs> and if you watch the movie, like there are sequences straight up where um, where uh, Lee Bing Bingbing, Bing Bing's character actually also in a, like effectively a red PVC dress uh as Ada Wong. She actually shoots the floor to jump through the floor. This was a big deal. The, these stunt sequences that are the same. It's like the virus of shooting through the floor and PVC that took over thanks to uh, Underworld, which I think is great. I think it's fascinating that they that they sort of. Dare I say, infect each other?
1: Uh, Can like I just that. bring up something else that you that you brought up on the Saturday Matinee this past week, or what not this that? past week? I guess a few weeks ago. Yeah, because it was double-fisted gunplay, and it was yes. on the Saturday Matinee when we uh, right after we talked about the first Underworld film. You also brought up the film Equilibrium. I did. And I just have to say that came out the year before underworld. And those uh, performers in that film, they weren't wearing PVC outfits, but they were wearing wearing very, very sharp black outfits. Yes, And they were running around with plenty of double-fisted gunplay and all sorts of uh, kind of interesting attacks and everything. And I'm surprised that we haven't brought that up as possibly an influence on Len Wiseman and the underworld films. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Gun Kata, Christian Bale. Yeah. Have you seen it? A lot of it. Oh, I saw it uh yeah, back in the theater. Back when. Yeah. Not in the theater, but oh. I saw it uh shortly after. You can tell the truth. It's okay. I remember really enjoying it and I I remember I thought you were a little hard on it, but pew, I also pew, haven't pew. seen it since since I uh, rented it that it's, right. no, it's not that great. I I think uh, it's better than your than your Okay. I'll watch it again. Deal. I'll watch I, it again. We just need to find a list and then we can both put it on. We can both watch. Okay. It. All right. Pete, I have a great idea. <gasps> what? You know, we periodically have these uh, bonus episodes for our members. Right? Andy. Original science fiction, Pete. We have an original science fiction series. Yes. I think maybe for our December movie, we do Equilibrium. Let's do
0: Equilibrium. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, let's let's totally do Equilibrium.
0: Do <clears throat> oh, and it fits in our double-fisted gunplay uh, meta conversation. It, Andy, it there's, totally there's just, you are a gift to synchronicity right now i mean you just you just chef's kiss perfect some people
1: call it an equilibrium
0: (laughs) that i provide (laughs) okay you may have taken it too far let's go ahead and rein it in a little bit all right it's cool when i do it for you
1: not so cool when you do it for yourself
0: all right
1: Uh, okay what else do we have what else do we have um I feel like we've talked about a lot of my tropes, a lot of, my, tropes, oh, a lot of my issues. Oh, I just have to say, okay, we, we introduced the vampire pack, right? We have kind of a, a small survival pack of vampires still trying to make it. And we meet them through uh what's his name? Theo. Theo James, who I'm always associated with the Divergent franchise. That's
0: because he's that's
1: that is his that's, he was born to play that. that exactly. <laughs> As four, I think is who he was yep. over there. But here he's David, the uh the vampire, son of Thomas, who is uh uh Charles Dance. He plays um thomas the head of this this yes. small coven that we have here
0: who's suddenly in everything uh, yeah, that right. all comes back to mank right because we have charles dance who was in this and we have uh what's his name who was dracula and we it's all comes back to gary Oldman, yeah, right? right yeah, exactly
1: Oldman, right all right no it's very funny but i just have to say uh, you know theo james He's fine. He fits this world well. And actually, Charles Dance does too. He, I mean, he feels very much like an old vampire, just like Bill Nye does. Like the two of them yeah, feel born right. to be in this type of thing. But <laughs> holy cow, Charles Dance cannot speak very well with vampire teeth in his mouth, especially when he's doing Latin. He was lisping all the time. Like, I just felt bad for the guy. Like, he doesn't know how to wrap his mouth around words once he has those uh, little fake teeth <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> That's so
0: amazing.
1: That is an amazing
0: critique for a guy like Charles Dance. <laughs> really, that's what you're going to get me on. <laughs> right. Also, Charles Dance, what are you doing in this movie, man? What are you doing?
1: <laughs> because they came to him and said, you know, we did have uh, Derek Jacobi in this franchise. <laughs> yeah truth so uh, he said oh well if derek if, if derek, derek would does do it, it
0: yes <laughs> oh yeah all right um i the only other thing i had was let me just can we just reflect a little bit more on the needles in the eyeballs that is uncool i'm I up knew. for all kinds of horror yeah. and, and stuff like the action violence in this movie i really am but the eyeball needle thing
1: was uh i was glad i was sitting down Ooh. i saw that and i was like wow pete is he yeah. might be flat on the floor at this Mm-mm. particular point because that was some gross gross stuff i don't think i've ever seen a syringe plunge into an eyeball before
0: well no, now i and have check that horrible. off my list
1: bucket list one more thing done
0: uh, Kate Beckinsale is back in this movie after giving up the uh, lead role in the third movie to Rona Mitra. And so now she's back in the saddle. And how'd she do as Celine?
1: I mean, she's fine. I, I did have a question for you. So she's frozen for 12 years, which I presumably is different than what I never remember what their titles were, but Bill Nye uh, or Victor, the and elders, Marcus, Marcus, and Amelia, and the Amelia, elders. Yeah. Those, I presume
0: they were, Andy, they were dehydrated.
1: Yes, yeah, that's, that's going to say. Different. I presume this is different because this. She just like you know the glass is broken and she's fine. And she's, fine. she's not all shriveled and dehydrated and doesn't right. need tubes. Dehydrated. <laughs> it's only been twelve years. Would you
0: say maybe preserved is preserved? The I I think dehydrated is
1: better. I think dehydrated. I, I think dehydrated the, is it, yeah, because they have to hydrate them. They it's literally true. have to pour blood into them. That's true. To bring them back to life. <laughs> But or, but I was questioning that. Is that just because they've been in there for 100 years? I don't know. Yeah. Why do I ask these questions? I don't, I don't know why you ask these <laughs> questions. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's... Okay, here's something else that we learn though. This apparently is a familial part of the evolution when you have an, an immortal slash vampire and a lichen slash vampire mate, and they have a child. Now there is a new evolved... Function that they have where they can see each other's see through each other's eyes. Yes, or at this least is different than blood can... blood reading. It's it's confusing because Celine seems to be able to see through her daughter's eyes. Did we ever see that her daughter could also see through her mother's eyes?
0: I thought the daughter could only see through her father's eyes.
1: Yeah, so it's a weird like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the daughter. Regardless, the daughter only gets. So it's a trio,
0: but they don't go both ways.
1: Yeah, right. It only goes one way. And and he can't see through Celine's eyes. So it's only,
0: right. So
1: Celine really gets nothing out of this. She gets nothing out of this. No. No. I did find that it was a funny new power to introduce because all I could think about was wow, there are going to be points as this kid grows up that are going to be really uncomfortable for all three of them (laughs) to be seeing. That's right. There will be a uh,
0: 16, 15, 16, 17-year-old who's, you know, I don't know. There will be substance (laughs) abuse. There will be uh, budding vampire sexuality. Exactly. Uh, There will be things that no parents should have to see through the eyes of And probably things that the parents aren't going to want the daughter seeing, frankly, because if you've watched any of these movies, the parents are horrible, and they, like, kill people a lot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so let's run through let's run through some of the, some more of the people we've got. As we talked about, uh, Stephen Ray, who's here and he's fine, and uh, Michael Ely, Theo James. Um, anybody else really stand out uh, for you?
1: Chris Holden Reed is Quint. No one stood out. Uh really but um the only one that really stood out and it was only because i was like oh what is he doing in this film was wes bentley who pops up and then promptly gets killed mm-hmm. and he's not even credited he's an uncredited actor i'm like that was a strange addition to throw wes bentley in here only to have him off so As suddenly.
0: generic antigen scientist you mean
1: <laughs> that would be him <laughs> Yeah. yeah, let's have let's have this really interesting uh, red shirt scientist. But let's get West Bentley to let's play get
0: West Bentley to do it. It's so weird, so weird yeah. to to have this guy who's such a such a talent to throw him. You know, it's a it, 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 he's friends with somebody.
1: Yeah, right, right. Uh, to make I work. did think it was interesting seeing Stephen Ray pop up in this film because he had been in an interview with the vampire. And so I feel like perhaps for him, this was just another opportunity to actually check that box marking off another supernatural creature that he could actually be. So, yeah, I wonder right. what will be next.
0: Uh, a cinematography by Scott Kevin
1: uh,
0: is our man behind the camera here. And once again, I think if you're going to give credit where credit is due, that credit belongs in adapting this universe to look exactly like the rest of the universe has always looked. If that's what you're going yeah. for, he did a fantastic job. 48 credits he's done a lot of stuff and frankly like some of his his best work is uh is some of his most recent work uh which is on the show Gotham which I'm a huge fan of Gotham I thought it was great and uh, the some of the episodes that he did the I am Bane episode trial of Jim Gordon like he actually is behind is the behind the camera on some really exceptional superhero tv stuff uh it was really good hmm. he's also been behind some when you look at these the the properties he's been behind, right, Gotham and Outcast and CBI Cyber and Constantine, Mortal Kombat Legacy, they all have kind of an achingly similar vibe to um, Underworld
1: and Underworldia, which I think is funny. Yeah, 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 very much. It's it. I mean, I don't know how much I have to say about it. I just feel like. Cinematography, the music, the crew, like all of the crew really had the dictate watch these first films and do then that just again. do exactly that yep. same thing. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I have um, one little bit of interesting um, footnote, I suppose, to all of this as far as the world of kind of um, sequels and remakes, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I know we have one more of these movies to still talk about. But uh, Kevin Grevio, who had been one of the creators of this, also wrote the film I Frankenstein. Do you remember that film, I Frankenstein? I do Um, remember that film. Yeah, with Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart, right. Stuart Beatty directed it, uh, uh, was one of the writers and directed it. Kevin Grevio, I think, came up with the story. And uh, wrote the graphic novel, and then Stuart Beatty wrote the screenplay. Well, interestingly, th- that came out in 2014, and and Kevin Grevio had planned on it being a crossover film with this universe. With this. Yeah, oh. right. That was kind of his intention. Was was uh, kind of making a big crossover, and and he it had was so planned so it that blue. way with the Both graphic of those novel. Movies are so blue, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, he said uh, in a pre interview, uh, pre release interview that in an early draft of his screenplay, Beckinsale would have made a post credit cameo appearance as Celine, and that there would have been underworld Easter eggs. But alas. None of it was used. And so we ended up without that fantastic crossover event.
0: Fantastic, you say? It,
1: it, maybe. You know, maybe. and then just, I think, going back to your, um, the point you made about Resident Evil Retribution in 2012, yeah. turns out that in they had actually talked about doing a crossover with the Resident Evil franchise as well. <laughs>
0: I th- I actually think a, a crossover between the uh, Underworld and Resident Evil universes would have been amazing, particularly right now. We just discovered that all of humanity sees uh, the Underworld characters as a virus, and then we unleash the actual Umbrella virus on, <laughs> on the rest of the world. I am all in for it. I am absolutely all in for it.
1: Also, um, this one, I think, might make the most sense. Kate Beckinsale said that they were actually planning a crossover with the Blade series. But um, because, which would have been, I guess, the fourth of the Blade films. I think yeah. they only made three of those, right? right. But ended, they ended up canceling all of that, of course, because Marvel decided, yep. you know, we're going to really push on all of these things, including Blade, and bring that into the MCU. So That's that was right. the end of the conversations with that.
0: I think that was probably smart. <laughs> I think that would have been, as they say in the underworld universe, a tainting factor <laughs> 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 to, to Blade, not underworld.
1: Although I don't know those later Blade films. <laughs> I'm not I so just sure. uh, the I the, I hardly
0: remember Blade Trinity, but I do Je, Jessica uh, Beal. We've talked about this on the show when she shoots the arrow and destroys the $30,000 camera because she hits it bullseye right in the middle of the lens. Right. That's my favorite Blade story. Uh, I that was even, a great story. I have no memory of what the thing was about. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't either. All right. How to do an award season?
1: It had one.
0: Was it a <laughs> Razzie? Was it, it a wasn't. TNA award, Andy? Because those are disappointing. This
1: is... I know, at the BMI Film and TV Awards, that's music, uh, the the Paul Hasslinger, we've talked about him a number Mm -hmm. of times. He actually was the winner of the BMI Film Music Award in 2012. And uh, so, but it's one of those things where, you know, the BMI Film Music Award, everybody's a winner, Pete. (laughs) Everybody's a winner. Really, (laughs) truly. (laughs) It's the honorable mention. 16, 18, 20, 22, 24. 24 nominees. Twenty-four winners. Oh, Andy. Uh, so, but like, hey, it like did better soccer. than Rise of the Lichens. <laughs> All
0: right, uh, how did it do at the box office?
1: Well, Marlins and Stein's entry into this franchise cost the most of any of the films, uh, seventy million dollars or seventy-eight point four million in today's dollars. That is almost double the last one. This film opened January 20th, 2012, opposite Red Tails, Haywire, and the limited release of Coriolanus in the number one spot, bumping out Contraband. Remember that one? No. Neither do I. <laughs> this film went on to earn $62.3 million domestically and $98 million internationally for a total gross of $179.6 million in today's dollars, more than any of the films in the franchise. That leaves it with an adjusted profit per finished minute of $1.14 million. That's uh, it's pretty good. Right? Yeah. I mean, people are watching this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes, they were. I don't want to step on anybody else's fandom, Andy. That's not why we're here. Because honestly, I I feel like this movie, as much as we were kind of down on this movie, I did have a good time. The things that fatigued too, me yes. were fatiguing, but my goodness, the things that, that they did with such exuberance, some of the stunts, some of the CG didn't work as well as I would have hoped it would have worked, especially as an evolution off the third movie. Uh, it felt like some shortcuts might have been taken, but the stunt work, the rope work, I, I had a good time, and I think yeah. uh, maybe we should take it to the mat. I think we should, yeah. Head over to FlickTart.com Slash the next reel, you'll see the list of all the movies we've ever talked about on this very show. If you swipe over in your show notes, tap the word flick chart, it should take you straight over to the flick chart database where you can add this movie to
1: your catalog and see how it stands up against ours. First up, we have Underworld Awakening or Il Postino, the Postman. Yeah. Well, Il Postino. That's the Postman. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Underworld Awakening or Piranha. Well, I'll take Joe Dante. Uh,
0: yeah, I'll take Joe Dante. Ta- well, toxic. It's just <laughs>
1: the the benefits of toxins for like to the yes. world, right? Underworld Awakening or Near Dark? Near Dark. I'll take Near Dark. Underworld Awakening or Next Friday? Oh, oh I'll take Underworld Awakening. Awakening. Yeah. Yeah. Underworld Awakening or The Crazies. The, the crazies. original 1973 the film. Yeah, I'll take The Crazies. Underworld Awakening or Wendy and Lucy? Underworld Awakening. Wendy and Lucy. Here we go. <laughs> All right. One, One two, two, three. three. Scissors. Rock. Wendy and Lucy takes it. Underworld Awakening or Dinner for Schmucks?
0: Dinner for Schmucks. Mm.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Dinner for Schmucks. Underworld Awakening or Alien Resurrection? Um, Two number fours. Andy, I'll take Alien Resurrection.
0: I think it's Alien Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, it's got,
1: it's got some It's got moments. the swimming
0: sequence. It's, yeah. it's
1: good. There's good stuff. It's got the stuff. sequence in the, yeah. with the lab with all the mutated, all the, yeah,
0: mutated ones. All right, yeah. I'll give it Resurrection.
1: Underworld Awakening or Friday After Next, We're just in time for the holidays.
0: I might lean on Friday After Next.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is boy. This one's I'm to say Underworld tricky. Awakening. Really? Yeah. They're they're both you know okay all right <laughs> about on level there.
0: Underworld Awakening, it is. All right.
1: Well, that lands Underworld Awakening in spot 451 on our chart. 451 out of 482 films puts it at about a 6%, pretty far down the list. That's
0: pretty bad. How would it
1: do on your list? It landed better, 3,908 out of 4521 or a 14%. This puts it at
0: 1,069 on my list out of 1,478. Uh, according to the algorithm, if I were to go over to letterboxcom slash the next reel, this should be a one and a half star movie. Mm. The question is, did I have one and a half stars worth of fun, or more stars worth of fun?
1: You rated Rise of the Lichens one and a half stars with no heart.
0: I think I think this is a two star for me.
1: That's what you did for Evolution.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I you know what? Hmm. I'd even go two and a half
1: stars of fun.
0: Oh wow! Okay, because I think I think I would rate this one as higher than Evolution.
1: I would rate this as just below Evolution. I rated that two and a half stars with a heart, and this one I would do two stars with a heart. (laughs) So I feel like we're right there, but just a little. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So
0: where does that put us as an
1: average? Two and a quarter. Two and a quarter. Yeah. So on Letterbox, it'll round up to two and a half with a heart. Yeah. All right. Yeah not a great movie, but I still had fun with it. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it's, fine. I'm finding that you really cannot ask the questions that we're asking Truly. when we go through these films.
0: Uh, we break these movies by even being a part of this conversation completely. Uh, but we have finished the fourth one.
1: That's right. The fourth Underworld movie. Where do we go from here? Believe it or not, we are going to be ending this franchise next week. We're going to be talking about Underworld Blood Wars. You've already alluded to that from 2016. So the final film will be coming up next week. Just wait, everybody. It's
0: Snow Celine. Mmm. When the
1: movie ends. Our conversation
0: begins.
1: Amazon giveth, Andrew. As Amazon always doeth. Oh,
0: Amazon. Uh, yeah, I, didn't at I did At least it did for with, me. I went with the kids. <laughs> yeah, now yeah, I went with the kids. <laughs> got to go with the kids. So I, I feel like now I've done enough with the kids. I got to stick it out with the kids. at Con. got to do it. Yep. Got to do, do it. it. What do the kids uh, have to say? The kids. Oh, Andy. There's so many that... I Mm. want to talk about first of all, let me say that common sense says this should be 17 plus the parents say this should also be 17 plus common sense. However, says it's a two star movie. Parents say it's a four star movie. Kids say this is the oldest rated movie yet at 15 plus. So the kids are warning other kids about this movie at a higher rate than the, uh, or a higher rating than yeah. any of the previous movies. Interesting. Uh, interesting. I, I, they generally like it. There were some uh, some critical reviews uh, that I I thought were were funny, and some where you know what I, I here's an 11 year old who says stop being so serious. This is a five star movie. Seriously, I watched it alone. I was not scared, and I'm a girl. This movie is awesome for <laughs> tweens like me. I loved it. Oh come on. Let's not be so gendered, shall we, 11-year-old? <laughs> Boys can be scared of stuff, too. Um, right. Uh, the, uh, the <laughs> but I think, you know, the the general consensus is wrapped up in teen, 15-years-old uh, movie lover, 2569, who says it's a five-star movie. Love this movie. Has bloody violence and swearing.
1: Well, they're right. Definitely a lot of bloody violence
0: and swearing. Literally, three curse words, lots of fighting blood, and 12-year-old rips out a werewolf's throat, plus many stabbings, and characters stick their hands inside people. All <laughs> yes, of it is they correct. Do. They nailed it. They nailed it.
1: <laughs> Truly. What, what do you got? <laughs> All right, I've got it. I went high over at Amazon. I went for the five Bold. stars because yeah. uh, I like seeing people who really love these films. Yeah. This is by Topher Ray. Gave it five stars and said, "How do you channel the cultural consciousness of an epic that has existed since before Beowulf, Beowulf was written into a pulp action movie about werewolves and vampires? The writers of Underworld Awakening have done it, and have done it well." Wow, I.
0: I'm not sure that they they know when Beowulf was written. (laughs) 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 Either the epic poem or the Angelina Jolie movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Thanks, Amazon. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022...